0: The sixth day of creation opened with God commanding the earth to bring forth the beasts of the field. Let's read that Genesis 1, verses
1: 24 to 25. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and beasts, <coughs> and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good.
0: Verse 24 paints a picture of the beasts issuing forth from the ground, from the earth. But even if that were the means by which the deed was accomplished, verse 25, as well as chapter 2, verse 19, make clear that it was God's hand doing it. Let's read that. Chapter 2, verse 19. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) 2, 19. Wrong creature. (laughs)
1: had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name.
0: So, God did it, but He did it in that way, out of the ground. Now in the second part of this last day, God will create the beings He will leave in charge of things on the earth. Let's read our passage. Let's read verses chapter
1: 1-26-30. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And
0: it was so. And the passage closes in verse 31. And God saw all that He had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So back up to verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, so that they will have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in His own image, In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And I I wanted to repeat that, even though it was just read, because in just two sentences, a mere 74 words, it is stated four times that God, in the plural, Elohim, created man, male and female. Such repetition is not to be ignored. It's there for a reason. In just about every sense, the creation of man is distinguished from every other created thing or being as something special, important. Set apart from the rest. We might even use the word sanctified, which means set apart. Even dominant. It's clear in the passage and it's worth our time to examine just how this difference this contrast is expressed first now it's personal look at the earlier steps of creation go back to verse 3 in chapter 1 it says let there be verse 6 let there be verse 9 let the waters verse 11 let the earth sprout verse 14 let there be lights verse 20 let the waters swarm and verse 24 let the earth bring forth we know god is behind all of that he's the one calling it into create calling it into creation but it's it's as if he's doing it from an uh, let it happen He just speaks it and it happens. All of these creation steps in the Hebrew are expressed in an impersonal third-person voice. But now in verse 26, we have for the first time God speaking in a more personal first-person voice. Let us make. second it it's a kind different from all the rest pardon me I'm, I'm still still feeling my way with the new system with the these this is this is very counterintuitive here <clears throat> need up From verses 11 to 25, the vegetation, trees, and all the creatures of the sea and land are created according to their or its kind, depending on your translation, or species. In our last session, I pointed out the rhythm of verse 25. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, the cattle after their kind, every creeping thing on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. But the creature called man, literally the Hebrew is Adam, will be different. He will be made not just of a different kind from the rest, as an ape is different from a flower, but only man will be made in God's image. Or as Albert Moeller loves to express in the Latin, the imago dei, the image of God. And if, if we're not surprised that God would name the first man with the word that means man, Adam, we may be surprised that a close cognate of that word, Adamah, is used in verse 25 and is translated ground or earth, meaning soil capable of cultivation. It, it 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 references that which can grow crops. Thus the word and name for the first human could mean cultivator of the soil. Adam was born a farmer. Hey. <laughs> Not a stockbroker, a farmer. Another difference. Sexes. Thus far in the creation account, even with the animals, there's been no mention of two sexes. Now it's implied, and we can kind of infer it from the text. I mean, how else do they do it? But it's not mentioned at all. With the creation of humans, however, It's explicit. Male and female, He created them. And finally, dominion, rule, preeminence. Only man created in the image of God is to have dominion on earth. Over all other living creatures, verse 28, In addition, the vegetation and fruit of the trees has been created, initially at least, as food for the man and beast, verses 29 to 30. So these have been created specifically to serve man and the other animals. Now let's take a closer look at verse 26. In verse 26, the one word translated, let us make. The word is asah. Is not, as I pointed out the last time, the doing, but the discussion and establishing of the purpose behind the doing in verse 27. This is the Godhead, as it were, sitting around the conference table working out the details for the next and most profound step of the creation. All of this has been leading up to this. Don't miss that. Go back and begin in verse 1. It is all been created, if not explicitly stated for man, it's implicit in that it's all presented from Earth's standpoint, as if you are someone standing on the surface of the Earth looking up. The stars are there for you. The sun and moon are there for you. They're not there for any other reason. They're there for the beings on this Earth. Now, this, in verse 26, it's stated in the first person, plural, the Godhead will do this. And the fact that the Godhead is discussing this once again, they haven't, we have not been informed of them discussing anything else about this creation. Creation of man, they're going to sit down and discuss it. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Again, heretofore, the fullness of the Godhead's work in creation has been implied or suggested with subtlety. Here, the participation of the second and third members is explicit. We, us. Just as in verse 1, the Hebrew Elohim is masculine, plural, absolute. Lupo calls it a potential (coughs) a potential plural. By this he means that we go too far to conclude that this is a purposeful reference by Moses to the Trinity as we know it. I don't think that's the case, and most commentators don't think it is. Oddly enough, most commentators, especially modern ones, say that this has nothing to do with the Trinity whatsoever. That's why Leupold calls this a potential plural. And here's how he... because he says, we go too far in that direction. We also go too far if we conclude that it has no reference at all to the Trinity. And here's how he stated it. The term Elohim, Leupold writes, allows for all that which the fuller unfolding of the same old truth brings in the course of the development of God's kingdom. When then, ultimately, the truth concerning the Trinity has been revealed, in the New Testament, in Christ, the fullest resources of the term Elohim have been explored as far as man needs to know them. So it is the Godhead doing this. It's been that from the beginning. It's just that in the beginning, in the early days, and in the in Moses didn't really wasn't aware of the fullness of the Godhead that we understand. Because of Christ. So we might think of this as a placeholder of sorts. We could explain it this way. Moses himself could not know the fullness of the triune Godhead, but the Spirit had him use a word for God that would permit that fullness to be realized by those who would follow later, especially after the Incarnation. I marvel at all that's here. I, that's, that's why I love reading God's Word. That's how I, why I love teaching it because... What, what's that? There's a, a science guy. It's amazing! It, it's incredible, especially when you dig beneath the surface. That's what makes this book so much fun. And I'm looking forward, beginning tomorrow, to getting back to reading. This year I did not read through I skipped last year, and I and I didn't. It you know it just throws everything off. I should just stop taking a break from it. So tomorrow I begin again. The verse continues according to our likeness, so that they will have dominion. Don't miss that. The Elohim then Elohim makes an extraordinary radical cosmic decision and even includes the reason for it man and only man will be created in the likeness of god now two words are used to express this first is translated image the word is salem it's a word commonly used to refer to idols statues formed by human hands to represent a pagan god, as in Second Chronicles, and all the people came to the house of Baal and tore it down, <clears throat> and his altars and his images—there's our word—they broke in pieces, and they killed Mattan the priest of Baal before the altars. Second Chronicles twenty-three seventeen. Or it can refer to painted images. So she increased her harlotries, and she saw men portrayed on the wall. Images of the Chaldeans portrayed with vermilion, Ezekiel 23, 14. So it's a, a common word and more often than not refers to a pagan idol. At its root, the word means something carved, cut off, or cut out. That is, something formed to look like something else. In the Greek, which is ekon as used in 1 Corinthians 11:7. It means essentially the same. For a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man." Now the second word used here is like, translated likeness, demut. Write that down. It'll, there'll be a test. This word is similar, but has a slightly different shading. It means a resemblance in outward appearance, similitude in the same pattern. Based on its use in Exodus 24, Wilson adds that this word includes the idea of, quote, a representation of that which is not visible, end quote. I like what Guzik added to this. The terms for image and likeness are slightly different. Image has more to do with appearance, and likeness has more to do with an abstract similarity. But they both essentially mean the same thing here in this context. We can draw some inferences from God's use of these two words. For example, this does not mean, not mean, that like God, man is deity. Some claim that. We do not. God is spirit kind. Man is flesh kind. But it does mean that man alone of all creatures is made to have a relationship with God. I know it's hard to believe, Greg, but cats don't have a relationship with God. I I know that breaks your heart and comes as a surprise dogs do but not cats <laughs> chapter, and verse. chapter and verse the book of Lampel's um, only man has a relation we were made that way to have a relationship with God I, I, I forget the name of the philosopher but I've, I love the imagery, and I've used it in my writing in the past. Man is made with a God space. Who's the philosopher that said that? Anyway. And until we, we are born with that space empty, when we come to Christ, it's filled. It's filled with God. Only man has that God space. Only he, that is the corporate he, male and female, is compatible with God's indwelling spirit. Just as a carved image of a pagan god reflects the image of that god, man is meant to reflect the image of his creator. This is not an exhaustive list, this is just what occurred to me. Since man is flesh kind and God is spirit kind, John 4.24, we cannot say that being made in His image means that we literally look like God. Whew, there's a thought. So being made in His image must mean something more intrinsic. We are made with a capacity to know Him, to yearn for Him, to communicate with Him and to worship Him. Cats don't worship God either. And not least to be His temple on earth. No other created being is His temple on earth. 1 Corinthians three sixteen to 17 This alone, being made in the image of God, is sufficient to set human beings apart from every other created being or thing on earth. Man is set apart. Man's relationship to God is unique in all creation, including God's created angels. I was taken by something Leupold writes regarding God's creation of man. Taking the verse as a whole, he writes, we cannot but notice that it sets forth the picture of a being that stands on a very high level a creature of singular nobility and endowed with phenomenal powers and attributes, not a type of being that is that by its brute imperfections is seen to be on the same level with the animal world, but a being that towers high above all other creatures, their king and their crown. My response after reading that was, My, how we have fallen. Does that, what Leopold writes, does that describe anybody you know? Or anybody you read about in the news? I love reading biographies of great men and women. And right now I'm reading about Dwight Eisenhower. And there was a a greatness about him that he hid that he he didn't he came across I, I when I was a kid I figured Eisenhower had been president forever. Uh because he was there when I showed up. Uh but he came across as a little bland um, and he didn't speak in superlatives or he, he and so everybody thought he was just kind of coasting through, but he really was a powerful and wise man um, they don't make them like that anymore. Even when we may agree with their policies, they don't make them like that anymore. But so he wasn't perfect either. He wasn't perfect either. No, no, no. I'm not saying, saying he was.
1: Yeah. Well, Dave, I think, think they probably still do. God still makes them that way. But I think the, the world and, and the culture in general doesn't recognize that or appreciate it. Because there's no, they don't have any. Point of reference for them anymore because they've rejected, you know, even a remnant of what you know, the Bible and the Christian ethic. I mean, they it just it's, it's not even
0: in focus anymore. That's right.
1: That's right. Our world doesn't allow a person with those attributes to utilize
0: them. The right. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's why my. Response after reading that was how far we have fallen both in the perverse culture of this world and in our own self-perception probably because of the perverse culture of this world how we perceive ourselves over the millennia man has fallen not just in his rebellion against God in the garden but that rebellion has corrupted his God-ordained stature in creation he created man to be something far more than what we have become Man was initially created to be a high being, ruling over all other creatures, things, and aspects of this world. Note the extent to which things have not just fallen, but reversed. As a fair portion of this society places the well-being of nature, of climate, and of weather of the earth itself over the well-being of humans. No, I'm supposed to be the other way around. How nations such as China have purposely limited human reproduction in the past to their doom. Now they're experiencing existential societal problems because they do not have enough people and not enough women for the men because of what they did. Quit messing with God's creation. He knew what he was doing. In the garden, first Eve and then Adam believed the lie that man knew better than God. Today, many thousands of years later, we're still believing the same lie. That man must subjugate himself for the benefit of the rest of creation. That is not God's order. Verse 27. And God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Okay, get it? He created him. In verse 26 is the planning. Verse 27 is the execution of the plan. Here, male and female humans are created in the image of God. And let me add, if you'll permit, one more thought on this. Turn, please, to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Where's Colossians in this Bible? There we go. Colossians 3. Let's begin with verse 9. Oh, I'm in Philippians. That's why that didn't make any sense. I, I can't find Colossians in this Bible. I'm going to have to go back to the, other, the old one. They left Colossians out of here. My, my old big Bible had about this much stuff at the back. So Colossians is supposed to be back here somewhere, but no, it's almost at the end. Okay. Let's read verses nine please once more, now that the teacher is with you. (laughs) Verses nine to ten in chapter three.
1: And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes
0: through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God. I swear I'm in chapter three of Colossians. What are they teaching at school these days? Come on, you're supposed to be the smart one in the room. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, let's. Third time's a charm.
1: Where are we? Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10.
0: Dennis is always paying attention.
1: Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put
0: on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There we go. According to the image of the one who created him. Now, what's my extra thought here? Moses may not have foreseen this, of course not, but in Christ we understand that the process of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ is the process of every Christian returning to the state in which Adam and Eve were first made, in the image of their Creator. Spiritually, we are all born in the image, as it were, of our fallen forefather, Adam. We're born with our God space empty. But in Christ, we are set out on the road to return to Adam's pristine state. Positionally, in Christ, we are already there. Positionally. Practically, in the flesh, we will not attain until we see our Lord face to face. But we are on that road Now, note the multiplicity of one invested in verses 26 and 28. I included this in the handout because it can be a little confusing just listening to it. In verse 26, God, Elohim, plural, says, let us make man in our image. Though Elohim is plural, it implies one being speaking to other beings. Don't you get that picture in your head? Let us, one person, one being is saying, let us, let's do this, and he's speaking to other beings. In other words, let us agree to make man like us. Man is singular, though the, though the same word, Adam, is used, also used for mankind. In verse 27, Elohim created man in his own image. Get that? Plural Elohim created man in his singular own image, not their image. Followed by God created him, male and female. He created them. You're chasing your tail here between the single this the singular and the plural. So we see here, I mean, what are we supposed to take away from that? We see here a holy commingling of singular and plural, of a three-in-one trinity stated as he, and the unity of male and female in the term man. Just as when, as, as a matter of fact, one commentator said that marriage, here's where marriage is introduced. Not, not, where, not in the next chapter where it's discussed, but here it's ma- male and female are made as one under man, just what marriage is supposed to be. And for once, John Salehammer contributes something worthwhile. I actually wrote something down that he said. Sailhammer. Following this clue, the divine plurality expressed in verse 26 is seen as an anticipation of the human plurality of the man and woman, thus casting the human relationship between man and woman in the role of reflecting God's own personal relationship with himself.
1: There's
0: good stuff here. How many times have we read Genesis 1 and not seen all this? One more pertinent thought from David Guzik, especially for today, especially in this culture. I assume he wrote this. David Guzik is contemporary to us, but I'm sure he wrote this quite a, long, quite a while ago on this creation of man and woman. Here's what Guzik writes. It is vain to wonder if men or women are superior to the other, A man is absolutely superior at being a man. A woman is absolutely superior at being a woman. Amen. And glad for it. But when a man tries to be a woman or a woman tries to be a man, you have something inferior. Amen. Verse 28. Oh my, for once I'm. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that creeps on the earth. We might like to isolate this verse and think that having God's blessing makes us special. But back in verse 22, God blessed the creations of day five, the creatures in the sea and the flying creatures of the expanse. He not only blessed them, but gave them the same directive uh, directive he gives to man. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill their respective domains. Beyond this, God will favor the seventh day, the day of rest, with His blessing. So what does it mean that God blessed certain portions of His creation? This is one of those churchy words that we bandy about without thinking. Just what does it mean that God blesses portions of His creation? Ultimately, the reason for this blessing extends beyond the scope of this study, for it has to do with Israel and the law and all that. But pertinent to this study is the fact that God's blessing is linked in both passages to reproduction. Yet I question the conclusion of some commentators that this blessing from God makes operative reproduction. For he does not give the same blessing to the beasts of the earth in the sixth day. He calls their creation good, and they do indeed propagate, but he does not bless them. Adam Clark is one who takes this path of the blessing making possible propagation. This blessing marked them as being under his special protection and gave them power to propagate and multiply their own kind on earth. The Hebrew word is Barak. Interesting, isn't it? Barak? Barak. It's little help because it's one of those flexible words used in various situations. But first of all, it means to kneel down in praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's hard to imagine that this is what God is doing here with His creation. There's another word commonly translated bless or blessed. Ashrei, that would seem to be a better fit. The word refers to a happiness from walking in righteousness. As in Psalm one how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Proverbs eight thirty two. so now, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are they who keep my ways. Again, ultimately, this establishes the roots for what will come later for Israel. And perhaps there we might find our solution. Or maybe it's just me, but I, you know, blesses. What does he mean? What what does he mean that he blesses man? What does that mean? Let's look at what the angel of Yahweh, that is the pre-incarnate Christ, said to Abraham after he stopped him from slaying Isaac. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. I can find Genesis in this Bible. Let's read verses 15 to 18.
1: Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have observed my voice.
0: As I said, quite a few commentators interpret the blessing in chapter 1, verse 28, as empowering man to be fruitful and multiply. That without the blessing, he would have been incapable. But I would suggest that the blessing is more God's, excuse me, formal benediction for future success and prosperity. As we see in the story of Esau and Jacob, both sons were zealous for Isaac's blessing, but Jacob, the lesser son, obtained it through subterfuge. Upon discovering that their father's blessing had been given to his brother instead of him, Esau was left bereft of all hope. And Esau said to his father in Genesis 27, 38, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Why did Esau weep so? because he knew that without the blessing, his life would be a mere shadow of what his brothers would be. It would be Jacob who would rule over him, the younger son over the older. It would be Jacob who Yahweh would cause to thrive, both in wealth and descendants. I would say that the blessing of verse 28 is not a command, as some interpret it, but a promise that man would indeed be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion over everything. To put it another way, all of that, all of what he says after the blessing, all of that is the content of the blessing. Here's what I'm giving you. The promise from God that man would thrive and have dominion over all the earth. Now next week we'll return to verse 28 and continue on and finish our day 6. I've run a few minutes over. Any thoughts? Questions? Are you happy now with creation of man? So have I. Now we know. God knew what was going to happen after He blessed us. And He blessed us anyway.
1: You're right. But we can't really have the true blessing unless we come to Christ. Actually, people, even non-believers, enjoy some of the blessing, but we will enjoy the full blessing of God as believers. Right? Because they are blessed in a sense because they... God provides for him and does all this in this
0: world
1: but you know we have we, are, we have extreme limits.
0: There's a lot Moses didn't know yeah. about what was coming down the road right. of course yeah but down. when you begin at the beginning and read through the whole thing it all comes together yeah. Christ is there day one
1: We know the rest of the story Yes yes yeah
0: father we thank you for this time thank you for your grace and your mercy thank you for your blessing we don't deserve it we know it's all of grace and thank you for this time around your word In jesus name amen